This is episode number 53 of the Abuse Talk podcast. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my pain into a purpose. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and believe that together we are louder. Each fortnight, there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. There's also a chance for you to join in with a conversation. By leaving a voice message, head to our website and go through Anchor share your thoughts. In this episode, I speak to Chris Green, OBE. He is the founder of White Ribbon UK and wow, what a conversation we have had. Um, The passion that comes through, the reason why he set up White Ribbon UK and the work he has done is simply inspiring. So hope you love listening to this just as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. But before we get started, I need to say a huge thank you to our main sponsor, Rockpool. They deliver trauma-informed programs around the UK, and you can find out more about them at rockpool.life. I also need to say thank you to my patrons, Katrina Hay and Susan Rahima, for being there for the long haul on uh, my Patreon. You can have a look over there at patreon.com forward slash Jen L. Gilmore. There is a special hashtag abuse talk tier. Now, let's get into this interview because this is what you are here and listening for. Um, Enjoy. I am so delighted today to have Chris Green with me, which to be honest, I am delighted because I have wanted to get Chris onto the podcast for quite some time. Um, We passed briefly at the court said protest and then recently um, we were both speaking at Kaleidoscopic UK's event. So I finally got to have a chat with him and say, come on the podcast, please. Um, Chris Green is the founder of White Ribbon UK and I am looking forward to unpacking his journey and sharing it with all of you. So welcome, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a pleasure and honour, uh, although I sort of recoil a little bit when you, you know, say how wonderful it is, because for me, I'm just doing what lots of men could and should be doing, but that goes without saying. Oh, and, and that's exactly why I wanted you to come on today, because you're so passionate um, and have been on quite a journey, which I guess... Um, could you just tell us, you know, where are you based first and a bit about you? That would be great. So everybody can become familiar with you. The uh, White Ribbon UK is based in West Yorkshire in uh, Hebden Bridge. And that's basically because that's where I live. And that's where I set up uh, an office in my attic to start with, as a lot of people setting up their organisations do it that way to start with. Um, And then we moved to bigger premises and uh, after that we were paying quite a lot of rent out and I thought, hey, this is crazy. There's a building up for auction down there. So I bought a building, which then became White Ribbon House because it seemed to me, if you have an organization which is based upon volunteers and you're not paying any rent, then maybe, just maybe, 
it's a sustainable model. We can keep going, you know, um, and keep pushing out a message that more men need to take uh, action and challenge each other about our attitudes, beliefs and actions. Wow. So when did this, um, that first step, you know, where, where did it start? When was this? I'm, ta- I'm was, talking years, aren't we? Yeah, uh, about 17 years ago, I was working at a university and I wasn't pushed for work. Um, and so I was looking to do something else around men and masculinity generally. And I looked around and I thought about starting or restarting a magazine. Um, but I realized that that would just go out to about 1500 men who all by and large thought more or less the same sort of things as me, you know, um, pro-feminist men, it's quite a small group of men. And that was the size that the magazine had got to before that I was thinking of. And I thought, I don't want to do that. Mm. It has to be bigger than this. If we're going to make an impact, we have to talk to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of men and boys about attitudes and beliefs. And so I looked around, saw the model for White Ribbon Canada and thought, hey, that looks good. And then I also saw that uh, in Australia, White Ribbon has a recognition rate of about 70%. In other words, what's White Ribbon about? Uh, Something about violence against women and girls. That's important. That's what you need. You start the conversation. um, And that's when change will happen. And so that was what I was after. And Mm. so I saw that model and thought, that's what we can do in the UK. Fantastic. Well, you kind of have led me on to um, my next question. Um, For those who don't know anything about White Ribbon UK, can you tell us um, a bit about what White Ribbon UK does um, and what the message is behind it? It's about involving men in taking the White Ribbon pledge or promise, which is incredibly simple. The message is simple. The message is never to commit, never to excuse and never to remain silent about men's violence against women and girls. So get out there, talk about it to other people. Never let conversations go by with, oh, it's only a bit of banter, mate. You know, just challenge that sort of stuff. So that's that's all the message is. Mm. Keep it simple, get the message, but more importantly, take action around the message. And the vital thing for me, it's a message to involve mass audiences. So White Ribbon tries to get out to sports organisations, to music venues and music campaigns. And we sit there are quite a lot now of campaigns around uh, festivals and music venues. And we've seen just recently the awful news about spiking of drinks and stuff like that. And so the, there are people campaigning around that and we would join forces with them and work with them. And we've also achieved a lot through something called White Ribbon Accreditation, which is uh, offering larger organisations um, a recognition that they are doing something about it, but a recognition only when they are doing something about it. So it's about a 12 point plan and they have to go through all the stages and people will say, oh, yes, we'd like that. Fine. But you don't get it until you, for about a year after you've started doing a process and, ta- and taking the steps with your workforce 
to educate them. And that's what's important because a few, a handful of people in an office can't change the attitudes of the country. Mm-hmm. But if you work with organisations around the country, then you've got tens of thousands of people who potentially are hearing the message and can take the message forward on our behalf and on the behalf of everyone who wants to see a better, fairer, more respectful world. Mm-hmm. So that's how we do it. I mean, it's, you know, it's fantastic. And I recently heard, um, so it's just word of mouth here, that Hull, which is where I am in East Yorkshire, is um, a white ribbon city, apparently. So I don't know if you know much about that side of things, but um, this is what I um, heard just the other week. And I had no idea you could accredit like a, a local council that way. So I that's, found that. That's one of the things which has been one of the strong points. It started off, I saw that a little town in New Zealand had called itself a white ribbon town. I thought, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and so I then went to my nearest town council, which is very small and had about three employees and said, would you like to become a white ribbon council? And they said, yes, what's it mean? I said, I don't know what it means, but we'll work on that. Mm-hmm. And we've been working on that ever since. And as I say, uh, becoming an accredited organisation has got more and more onerous. Hull, for example, does, as an accredited organisation, has a group of men who meet, um, Hull ambassadors who meet to it, try and keep the message going out there. It has fire engines which actually have are uh, wrapped yes. with a white ribbon message. Who get, and they go into schools to take forward the message. And they, so they're taking two messages at once. They're mm-hmm. taking a message of lighting fires is a bad idea. And they're also taking a message of boys need to start taking action to challenge their their peer groups and everything else. And it's great to have people who are respected as firefighters taking that message forward Mm. it's no good me an old fella taking the (laughs) message forward I want people like that you know Mm. to be to be taking the message forward they do lots of other things as well for example a few years ago the rugby club Mm. had 20,000 people in the stadium and they said on over the PA um, they had the, the team running out with shirts on saying men challenging male violence is now that's a start it's not going to suddenly cause someone to to have uh, some poor moments and change the the way they were thinking you know the, the road to damascus but it it will mean that it nudges people along the road of changing behaviors mm. and the telling thing for me something which you will, i will remember for the rest of my life over the pa they were told there are twenty thousand people in this stadium today that's the same number of people as women in Hull who are abused every year. Mm. And that's a very chilling statistic. And it's something which the people of Hull, the, the council of Hull, is very well aware of and trying very hard to do something about. The other thing I'd say about Hull, it's the only place we've had so much engagement with primary schools. And the message yeah. has to go out in primary schools, in secondary schools, in universities, in FE colleges, all the way. And in fact, Hull University is also a white ribbon organization. I mean, it's fantastic when you look into it. Um, So my introduction to White Ribbon UK is through my children's primary school and finding out about it there. and obviously with the work that I do, ultimately it led me to look at the pledge. I, I think I did a video 
at the beginning explaining how I'm silent and that we all need to share our voices to stand up as part of I think one of the years so I have to I send it to you um I'll reference it in the description for anybody who wants to watch it back but I think it is you know really important an important message and it gets those discussions and conversations and even if it isn't um that instant reaction straight away it's embedded isn't it within society so when we were at Kaleidoscopic UK the first thing that you did when you came on stage was apologize and I don't know if you um, saw the reaction from, you know, just the table that I was sat on alone, but, you know, I even hadn't even, it's the first apology I have had. Um, and I know it's um, not the person that, uh, you know, abused me, but it's the gender. And that made a significant difference to people in the room that day. And I thought it was really powerful. So, I guess I, I want to ask you, why do you start that way? And why do you um, feel it's important to apologise um, on behalf of your gender? Because it's my responsibility. Uh, it's man's responsibility because we commit 90% of all interpersonal violence. You know, people will say, oh, what about violence against men and boys? OK, that exists, but it's 10% of interpersonal violence maximum so that's that's the first thing the second reason it's i'm i'm responsible because uh women's organizations have been trying and working around the issue for years and it's and they want men to start doing some of the work mm. you know so it's my responsibility to do it and the third reason is it's my responsibility because some men will listen to other men when they won't listen to women's voices you know mm. and of course of course they should be listening to what the women say but you know particularly if it's their friends who are saying it not me but if it's them if it's their friends if it's their work colleagues if it's their relatives then that's that will make a difference so it's absolutely my responsibility and the but the first why i say i'm sorry is because you know i am not men are not doing enough i am not doing enough um I keep talking, oh, wouldn't it be nice if, and it will be, if there were lots of teenagers, lots of 20-year-olds, lots of 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, you know, I'm still going to be doing this when I'm 70 years old, you know, but people say, oh, you do a lot of work. Yeah, but I don't do a lot of work. <laughs> I still do nearly everything that I do in maybe a couple of afternoons a week, you know, well, why aren't I doing it properly full-time, mm. you know, all that stuff. So, I still say I'm sorry. Yeah, no, well, it was very powerful and very moving on, on that day. Um, so, yes, thank, thank you for that. Um, like I say, it's the first time anybody has ever said sorry for, for that. And it was, uh, yeah, it was very moving. Um, so, obviously, you've spoken about the slightly about the importance of um, men standing up just then about how they might listen to other men what other reasons do you think it's important for men to stand up against um, domestic abuse then well it, I, I, I keep I, I'll reiterate those same <laughs> reasons because they're, they're, everything I say is, is quite simple you know um, if we start to talk about it more then more men will listen and What's so sad is, you know, if only 
a fraction of the three quarters of a million children who witnessed domestic abuse every year became, you know, male ambassadors, then we would have thousands of men out there taking the message forward. And that's what that's what I'm looking for, you know. And that's another reason why it's important for us for men to do. It's important for men to do it because we get support if we from other men. Mm. Because if I I know that there are times when it's been quite difficult to make an intervention, to make a reaction. But I also know that there are other men who would say, oh, yeah, I was just thinking that. Oh, as soon as you said that, I wanted, uh, yeah, I was there as well and, and intervening with inappropriate behaviour of some sort or other, you know. And so people have to be start talking about it. And then suddenly lots of other men are saying, oh, yeah, I thought that as well, you mm. know. There was a, at the beginning of the year, because of the levels of violence against women and girls that we've seen this year, um, we've seen more men coming forward to take action. A lot more women demanding men to <laughs> come forward and take action, but a lot more men coming forward and starting to say, I want to do stuff, I want to be involved. I'm not going to over-egg that, though, because um, <laughs> we're running a conference at, on the 19th, 20th and 21st, and its, it's whole purpose is to, it's, it's called Engage Men or Engage Conference. Mm. Um, we haven't got thousands tipping up to it, believe me. Mm. Um, and we've worked very hard to get more men to do. Mm. And the, the point is, we want it to be action-oriented. And so our very first action on International Men's Day is to have pickets at the courts in London and Manchester at midday on the 19th of November mm -hmm. to just say, this is men saying, look, the courts and the police are letting down women over and over again. I, you said you mentioned, met me at the court said mm -hmm. protest yeah. and actually listening to mm. what the women said at that demonstration, I, my mouth dropped open, you know, and I just thought, how can a so-called judicial organisation be so biased against women? I mean, just, I just, you know, and okay, I don't want to, I don't need to start you <laughs> off on that, but, but I, I, I heard, and over and over again, I keep hearing testimonies from women and thinking, wow, we need to do more. And mm. uh, the latest one this year as well has been the testimonies from women in, and girls in schools um, mm. called yes. um, Everybody's Welcome, Everybody's Invited. Um, and I was really impressed that one young man uh, took it upon himself to go to his former school and say, look, there are 200 testimonies of young women here who've been abused by young men at who were students at this school, what are you going to do about it as a school? And I think, mm. yes, that's exactly what we need to do more of. You know, young men holding their institutions to account. Yeah. And I think we need to do that more and more and more. And men, men have to do it to hold institutions to account as well as themselves. Yes, no, and um, it's sadly, I, I really wanted my husband to be on the call today, um, but I did not think about the timing and child uh, care <laughs> situations there. But my husband is definitely, 
you know, he has got white ribbon on his coat all the time. You know, he will even say to me, do you think that person needs help? Do you, you know, the way they were talking and he personally helped me as well. And he's definitely um, somebody wondering about his position in terms of being able to help in terms of, well, I'm just a man, you know, this is a, a, an issue that happens to predominantly women where is his position? And so we've had some really interesting uh, discussions about um, how men can be involved and the White Ribbon UK and doing simple things and being present in his business and online and sharing his side of the experience. Because even though it was me that um, went through it, he's been there predominantly on picking me up, you know, to move on with my life and go through the family court system. I was one of those speaking on that day and um, feeling quite terrified um, about sharing that story. But it does uh, make a difference. And it's sad that we have to think, oh, we need men to join in that dependence almost, especially when it comes to changing systems. Um, now, you have spoken about the promise and it's really easy. How how do people commit to the promise, Chris? Well, it's all there online, um, which is <laughs> that, that makes it really simple. We used to have physical pieces of paper which people signed, and then we're very worthy volunteers would have to transfer them from all the stuff we collected at an outside stall somewhere onto a database, so that we've actually wow. got them. You know, but now people do it directly which makes life a lot simpler and the joy for me is when you see those represented on a screen or a map of the UK mm. because you know say where's the all the postcodes are da, da, da. and you think wow there's lots of people but there aren't lots of people there are 60,000 odds um, 70,000 signatories to the white ribbon pledge you know and why isn't it 700,000 why isn't it 7 million you know mm. um and of course, other people will say, well, it's only signing something on a piece of paper. And I would love it to be the first step on a great process, a great long journey, mm. which none of us have ever finished. But at least if you do that, you can then almost take sense, take somebody's photograph and then you say, why are you taking my photograph for? Because you've just signed the pledge and we want to have a record of you being there. We don't do that, but I, I think it would be another good step to do. Yeah. Um, and, and then encourage people to become a White Ribbon ambassador, which means you have to do some training, online training, which means you're then educating yourself because you never you have to never end educating yourself about the issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, all, all the stuff about uh, drink spiking, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Now, you know, I think, wow. And so you have to learn more about stuff all the time so that you can then talk about it uh, as well. So... It starts with signing a simple pledge, but then you want it to go on and on and on for the rest of your life. Mm, no, definitely. And yeah, I can reiterate about the drink spiking. I don't know if you've seen there, uh, for us in Hull, the news is that we're coming away from spiking drinks and we're actually injecting people at nightclubs, um, which seems very scary. Um, but it has also been amazing to see that some of the nightclubs have got the Ask Angela and you know all these yeah. different things in place to help um, prevent hopefully those situations from arising 
um, even charging your phone behind the bar and offering covers for drinks. So I think it's really important that we can put things in place to make people feel safe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's really interesting to sort of look at. Um, now, White Ribbon Day actually happens once a year as a, a national um, event, doesn't it? Um, I believe, is it the 25th of November this year? <laughs> it is indeed. It's always always the 25th, which is oh. the UN International Day to Eradicate Violence Against Women. Mm-hmm. And people say, oh, yeah, well, that's what it's called, the UN International Day to Eradicate Violence Against Women. But that's kind of a my- mouthful. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a bit easier to actually call it White Ribbon Day. And we just adopted that because it was spoken of as White Ribbon Day in in other countries around the world, because White Ribbon does operate in 50 countries around the world, because it's it's a global problem and it needs a global response. Mm -hmm. Um, And but the 25th of November, there should be people taking action around the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can sometimes see visible uh recognition of it sometimes local authorities will, will fly flags at the town hall or a church will put on a, a a visual display by having a projection onto a church tower in mm-hmm. the evenings for a few days and of course it's the it's one of the days of 16 days of action to eradicate violence against women and girls and so 16 days that's almost that's two weeks and a bit action but it's, st- it's only, still only two weeks it's not 52 weeks and, it, and the work needs to go on for 52 weeks mm. so it's everyone tries to think of it not as a day but if it focuses minds for one day that's great and then continues for two weeks that's even better continues for a year and then a lifetime is what we all hope for yeah um, of course but as I say by having one day at least if it brings the media's attention more to that, that's really important. And of course, for me, the importance is getting men to stand up and take notice because women have been doing it for a long, long time and men need to be doing it as well. So you'll see those things if you if you look around you uh, in the community around the UK. But if anybody needs any materials so that they can run a stall, that's fine too. Yeah, no, fantastic. Um, well, you did mention about um, also grabbing photographs of people with um, the pledges as a, a potential mm. idea, but I do know that you've managed to get photos of celebrities wearing the white ribbon that you can purchase on your website, um, on the white ribbon website. And um, can you name a few people that you were so glad to capture <laughs> with those white ribbons on off the oh, top of I- your head? <laughs> I've got a list here. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> I was making a list for somebody else. Yes. Um, Paul McCartney, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Rafa Benitez, Gary Lineker, David Tennant, uh, David Beckham. Um, there's uh, the Pope was a cracker. Um, <laughs> I was very disappointed not to be there for the Pope, but I was actually in Australia at the time. Otherwise, um, somebody said, oh, come come to Rome. I think we are going to have a meeting with the Pope. And it's just a photo call was, was important. And the Archbishop of Canterbury, a lot of churches do stuff that on the Sunday after mm. White Ribbon Day. Um, and we'll have um, sermons or something like that around the extent of violence against women and girls because there are, there's work to be done. 
in faith-based organizations the same way yeah. there's work to be done in every institution to challenge um, violence against women and girls. Um, so that, that was my quick list of, of yeah. Lot, lots of politicians because changing the law is important as well. So mm. we want to have politicians taking notice. And again, for them, it's a very easy thing to do to uh, have their photograph taken wearing a badge. You know, mm -hmm. that's yeah. easy. But then it, again, we have to hold them to account to do some work um, in their political parties and in their political life to mm. make a difference. No, well, thank you. I mean, even hearing some of those familiar names, um, you know, it gives you some encouragement, doesn't it, in terms of making a difference and having people out there that have that pledge or promise. Now, mo moving alongside uh, slightly um, from the White Ribbon uh, UK, you've personally received awards for the work that you've done, including um, Cosmopolitan's ultimate man in 2007 and then impressively receiving an OBE for services to equality 10 years later 2017 how do you feel about about that it's I, amazing I, I feel it's, it's two things it's an embarrassment but it's a responsibility <laughs> it's an embarrassment because it's stuff that I should have been doing anyway you know um although I mean I must say I, I haven't it has cost me a lot of money to do some of the work that I've done. Um, so <laughs> then, but, but that's that's not the point, you know. Um, but it's also a responsibility and a call to do even more. Mm. But there's one one thing, there's a little story about the OBE night. The, mm -hmm. the cosmopolitan thing, all these celebrities, the I had no idea who all these people were. Oh you know? no! <laughs> they're, all, they're all dead famous. Uh, so, but anyway, and and uh, but it was that was that was really nice, and it. And it also gave us a real promotion in the very early days to be able to, to then say to other media outlets, oh, I've got this, therefore you need to run a story about the organisation. But with the OBE, as I arrived at the palace, um, a guy said, oh, hello, Chris. Now that was quite, but that was the leader of one of the councils getting an award for their work for public service for donkey's years, you know, working for yeah. public good. And he, he they, their organisation, had become a white ribbon authority. So he recognized me from visiting him there. Mm -hmm. In the queue for being in the right order so that Prince Charles know, know who he's shaking hands with, one of the royal staff said, oh yes, white ribbon, we know all about that because I used to work for the home office and that's <laughs> all good. And then Prince Charles and said, oh yes, you know, whatever we can do. And they did feature in the their Twitter feed later and the joy for me from is that it's read by two and a half million people you know or follow yes. so that the fact that it said awarded for white ribbon a campaign of men challenging male violence against women and girls that's what was important and yeah. you notice that um Camilla Duchess of Cornwall has talked about violence against women and girls a number of times um, since then, which I, and I, because it, it is an issue which she feels committed to doing some work around. So that's, that's brilliant. 
I know. Well, fa- fantastic. You should be proud of um, those achievements. Um, and they were just two that I picked out from um, the script of, of the recognition, I think, there. Um, so, you know, thank you for, for doing everything that you're doing. Um, it's important to raise awareness um, and not only just raise awareness, but making a true difference and an impact um, to people's lives. Um, can you tell us what your plans are what what's happening you know next for you chris i'm going to keep do keep going <laughs> that's what you have to do. that's all you have to do is just keep keep taking the message forward and keep expecting uh that more men will start taking the message forward as well and then retiring so when i know when there's lots of <laughs> lots of young 20 year old people then saying, okay, yes, we're going to do this because it's really important. Then I might start thinking about doing a bit less. But mm. it's it's always inspiring when you see what some of the women's organisations are doing and you, you feel a great, draw a lot of strength from that because you think they're doing fantastic work. And it's, so it's quite important for me to do a little bit as well. So the future, yeah, just wider. Mm-hmm. So more organizations and deeper within all of those organizations getting to more of the people until mm. we in the UK have the same sort of level of recognition of, of that a white ribbon means challenging male violence against women and girls until we get to that sort of thing and recognition by 70 80 percent of the population so and until until you know, it's it, on Radio 2 and Radio 1, they say, ah, oh, today is the day when everybody should be out challenging violence against women and girls. It's mm. coming. There's more and more voices and mm. it's heard more and more. And the media coverage is getting more responsible, I think, in terms of the way they cover stories and mm. the way they interview people and the way they refer to survivors. And so it's gets so much better than it used to be. But there's so much more to be done. We'll keep doing the work and so will you. Yes, definitely. And um, something that, you know, reminded me right back to the beginning of us talking today was you saying, you know, it's not enough. And that's something that I can relate to in terms of it feeling like it's not enough. But I think you need to be reassured that because you're making a difference, it is enough. And it's just that we have to equip many more people with, you know, with with the training and with the education the resources to come on board to take the pledge and take it forward and put it into action so without you a lot wouldn't have been done as well so thank you chris for all of your work and um, right back to you as we say <laughs> <laughs> thank you um how so i'm guessing everybody that's um, perhaps wondering how they make their pledge right now what what's the website where do they go whiteribbon.org.uk would be a good start um uh but also just just start doing stuff especially for the, for the if any man gets to hear this message ever oh i don't know what to do doesn't matter because of course i've made some mistakes i've tried very hard not to but just by doing something women's organizations have said oh yeah you could have done it this way but at least you did something and that's brilliant and so start doing it. Start to talk to your colleagues and your friends. It's, it's not easy. The first step is always the hardest, mm-hmm. but it's always the first step on a very long journey. 
and I'm sure you won't regret it. No, well, thank you once again, Chris, for joining me um, and for sharing your journey and um, the work you've done and everything that um, brings together White Ribbon UK. It's been, it's been such a delight and an honour to speak to you, Chris. Um, so thank you so much for giving up your time today. And again, they'll say right back at you. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed. A big thank you once again to Chris Green for giving up his time and for sharing his journey and the plans next um, in his journey. I don't know about you, but I certainly felt inspired and um, it's going to be an interview that sticks with me for quite some time. So really chuffed that I finally managed to get him on to an episode. Um, if you've been listening for quite some time and you haven't left a review, please do pop over wherever you're listening. So whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Podcasts, whichever platform it might be, it really helps to um, get the podcast out there further. So please do take a moment to leave um, your review, your recommendation, what you think about these interviews that I'm holding in this space. Also, you may have noticed um, a little bit of inconsistency, and I'm going to be open and honest. Um, we definitely need a podcast manager or podcast editor. If you know anybody, please do send them my way, as Katrina, who helped me so much with the podcast, has had to leave. Um, really sad, but we also thank her for the work that she did. Um, my email is contact at jennifergilmore.com, or you can go to abusetalk.co.uk and contact me through there as well. Well, you have been listening to me, Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings and soon to be The Funky Frex, a children's book that's come due out in January. So watch this space. You can find out more about the work that I do aside from hashtag abusetalk at jennifergilmore.com. Mm-hmm.